0: Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is brought to you by Oasthauser Engineering. For over 20 years, Oasthauser Engineering has been servicing the food, beverage and drinks dispensing industries. They have worked to secure partnerships with some of the best manufacturers of packaging equipment, as well as significantly investing in their own originally engineered machinery. Whether it be bright, labelled, sleeved, or digitally printed cans, Oath Engineering has you covered with low MOQs, excellent customer service, and high quality print and package. Stay tuned as we hear more about their state-of-the-art digital printing as we hop into this week's episode of the Hot Forward Podcast. I'm Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. With interviews, discussions, stories and advice from a range of brewers and craft beer professionals, the Hot Forward podcast is here to help you and your beer business hot rocket your way to success. Visit our website at hotforward.beer to find out more. Grab yourself a beer as we crack open another fresh episode of the Hot Forward podcast. Hello, brewers, beer professionals, and beer buddies, and welcome to another sesh on the Hot Forward podcast. If you're familiar with my company, Hot Forward, you'll be aware of my love of all things branding and design. I think you can tell a lot about a brewery based on how they present themselves visually with no detail too small to overlook. Actually, I used to work for one employer who constantly said, the devil's in the detail, which is really ironic given that he was both a stickler for detail and a vicar. Now, I'm not sure what he got up to at tea parties with Lucifer, but I'm sure those details are between him and the man downstairs. However, how things look and feel creates a lot of brand value for customers. I'm sure you're familiar with the old adage, people buy with their eyes. How often have you surveyed a beer fridge only to pick up a beer that caught your eye visually? Unsurprisingly, brewers invest much time and energy into the taste, aroma, and stability of their beers. Designers likewise go to great lengths to create designs that reflect the brewery's vision and values, well, at least that's what they should be doing because there's a big difference between a graphic designer and a branding agency, but maybe we won't go there today. That's for another podcast. These two creative forces accumulate in a product that a consumer resonates with, takes out the fridge and enjoys the experience of both great art and great beer. Brewing technology for small to mid-sized breweries in particular has come along in leaps and bounds over the last five years. Just the other day, I was reading back through some journal entries about a gap in the market that Emmanuel's had fallen down, which resulted in a drop in beer sales. As breweries moved from bottles to 330 and 440 ml cans, which were only an option for breweries that could afford small canning lines or mobile packaging services, my 330 ml bottles, as I was told by the Right Reverend Sean Clark of the Church of the Holy Beer Central in Sheffield, had fallen down the crack of not being craft enough for the craft beer crowd, but too small in volume for your more traditional beer drinker. This was at the time, one of the main determining factors in my decision to put Emmanuel's on hiatus, all of which will be revealed in my forthcoming book, What Would Jesus Brew? Why I Left the mega Church to Start a Microbrewery. You heard it here first. Fortunately, small canning machines and seamers have opened up the way for breweries of all shapes and sizes to get involved in canning their beers. One thing, though, that hasn't been available to the microbrewer is full can printing. Until now. The first beer cans printed using a process called lithography were introduced in the United States as far back as 1935. The American can company known as Ball Corporation and the Kruger Brewing Company collaborated to release the first commercially successful beer in cans and initially tested the market in Richmond, Virginia these printed cans were instantaneously, visually appealing to consumers. The success of Kruger's finest beer led to the widespread adoption of beer cans as a packaging option by other brewers, eventually, as we're well aware, revolutionizing the brewing industry. Historically, beer cans have been printed using offset lithography, a common method for printing on aluminum packaging. The process involves pre-pressed preparation of the artwork, followed by the creation of separate printing plates for each color used in the design. Ink is then applied to the plates, transferred to rubber blanket cylinders, and then onto aluminium cans as they pass through the printing press. Each color is applied in separate passes, and quality control measures ensure the final product meets standards. After printing, the ink is then dried and cured to prevent any smudging. As you can probably tell listening to that, the MOQs and expense is typically out of the range for many microbreweries with relatively small orders to fill when compared to supplying various supermarket chains domestically and internationally. However, a new technology has emerged that is giving brewers the flexibility to have their designs digitally printed onto can for the first time with a minimum order quantity of one. Yes, you heard me, one can. This is where Oast House Engineering come in. If you've been listening to the Hot 4 podcast for some time, you may recall in Season 1, Episode 64, an episode called Life in Lockdown, where we spoke to a variety of businesses throughout the supply chain about the challenges that the COVID pandemic and lockdowns had caused. I spoke to business owner, Carl Morris, who spoke of the supply and demand issues they had encountered with most of the UK's breweries moving to small pack overnight. This led to obviously a challenging time, but also a period of significant growth for Osthouse Engineering, resulting in the move to acquire a state-of-the-art Hintercoff digital printer. This absolute beast of a machine is churning out cans for some of the UK's leading craft breweries and changing the way that cans are printed. It also addresses some of the issues regarding sustainability and the recycling chain. I was invited out by Oastowns Engineering to look at the machine, chat to Sam Morris about all things cans, digital printing and sustainability, and have my very own, you can tell I'm going to love this, inside the factory experience in Rotherham, South Yorkshire, where the company is based. Now, if you're an international listener, or or just anyone for that, I make no apologies for my countless references to Greg Wallace and pushing that button. If you don't know who Greg Wallace or what Inside the Factory is, go on YouTube and you'll see some quintessential British TV in action. So a big thanks to Sam for giving me her time and to House Engineering for both sponsoring this episode and inviting me out to the factory and warehouse to discuss cans, printing and all things design. Stay with us as we'll be right back with Sam Morris just after this short message. If you like the Hot Forward podcast, then follow us on all the socials at Hot Forward Beers. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify and all the good podcasting platforms. And visit our website, hotforward.beer, to connect with us and find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business with branding, creative media and business consultancy for breweries, bars, bottle shops and supply chain businesses. For now, grab a beer and let's crack open today's discussion. This week on the podcast, I'm at Host House Engineer in Rotherham, uh, talking with Sam Morris. Hello. Hello. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you.
0: I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed, I have to say, that I didn't get a hair net. Ah, well,
1: <laughs> your hair is below the requirements, oh, so. <laughs> <burned>. No, <laughs>
0: Oh. So I might edit that out
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's staying in that's staying in so we were joking about Greg Wallace a second ago and uh, I was saying to my wife before I came I was like I've got to put my Greg B- 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 Wallace because it's more of like a, a factory type scenario rather than the breweries I go into a lot and I was like I wonder how many superlatives I can get in so I might try and sneak <laughs> some in later, like oh that's amazing brilliant can I
1: push that button so um... do you know what it's really weird because we were talking yesterday we were like and get him to press the button, he'll be so made up. Oh, you
0: should totally <laughs> contact him, he'd love it. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm here at O's House Engineering in Rotherham to look at cans. So before we talk about cans and printing, can you give us a little bit of background, what O's House Engineering does, how you got started and how the company's grown over the years that it's been trading?
1: Yeah. Uh Company's officially 21 years old. Right. It was a little bit older than that. Um, but incorporated on paper, I suppose, you'd say 21-year-old. Carl, um, my husband, started the business. He uh, was made redundant from Ward's Brewery in Sheffield. Right, well. Many, many years ago. And he had a choice, can find somewhere else or start up on his own. So he did. And originally he started with dispense, beer dispense. So everything from, basically, from the keg to the glass... And then expanded into things for the likes of BOC, so gases yep. and gas installations for drive throughs takeaways, restaurants, all kinds of different things. And then as the world changes and industry changes, he kind of looked at certain small-scale bottling machines. He got involved with Maheen in the US, sold bottling machines across Europe. That then expanded into canning machines as there was an investment in the U.S. company. And we started trying to sell canning machines but found there was a difficulty in getting cans. Right. So we struck up some relationships with the can producers and some decorators in the U.S., um, which are kind of big organizations that will either label or sleeve at the time for varying companies across the US. And then five years ago, we bought this building and set up the decorating and the can supply. And the rest is kind of probably a dream away, really. (laughs) I can't believe where we were to
0: where we are, so... Well, I suppose there's been a huge move in the craft beer sector in particular, and I would imagine in other beverages as well, towards cans rather than bottles. Why do you think that is?
1: I think it's the... The green, the recyclability, the weight. So transportation of glass, availability of glass, the ability for your point of sale. So it's much easier to stack cans than it is to stack bottles. Yep. Uh, less fragile, etc. And we have everything from beer to sodas to gravy to cooking sauces. <laughs> gravy. <laughs> gravy.
0: Of course, yeah. In fact, I've seen gravy in like supermarkets in a can, and it's like. I would hate to be really, really drunk and in this aisle and mistake that. I
1: think the, the, there was a thing where Freddie Flintoff drank the gravy stock, the right. chicken stock, I think, thinking it was beer. And even here, when it first came in, the guys in our warehouse were like, chicken-flavoured beer? That's weird. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's not beer. Yeah, I love it. But, yeah, so now we do cooking sauces, coffee beans, gravy, the Will Joyster we've put sweets in
0: before now. Right. So, sweets in a can. Sweets
1: in a can. Yeah. So they've done it for promos. Sweets and nuts. And somebody came and we kind of hand filled them for them. And uh, I presume
0: that's like with the big, the big ring pull that you can pull off, rather the, than like yeah, <laughs> through the, the standard like drinking hole. 360,
1: <laughs> the 360 end, which is coming back. No um, way. Yeah.
0: Right. Because I remember having beers from. It might have been like London Beer Factory or somebody, it was. and pulling it open and being like okay, I'll try this. And I always found them really hard to pour and not very comfortable to drink from. So I'm surprised they're coming back. Um,
1: Yeah, I think it's because um, there are a few people, festivals and things like that, it's better for because they can refill them a lot easier. So you're not doing it from a wastage point of view. Plus, all the different products now you can put into a can. So, yeah. they are looking at the due back in, I think, probably next month or two. So, right. From Crown. So, yeah, that is really good news that we now will have 360. But, yeah, we had a guy come and he put peanuts in with 360 ends. And then we left him in the room and he put £20 or £50 in a can. And it was just as a promo and find right. the one with £50. Wow. In, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) golden ticket time. (laughs)
0: But without the umpa lumpers. So uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to chat to you today was about the new digital printer that you've got onto cans. So it's an amazing technology. So can you talk us through it and why you think it will revolutionise packaging and presenting your beers for brewers out there?
1: I think one of the biggest things is the green and the recyclability. And one of the the things for me personally was I wanted to be ahead of the curve. So there's been quite a lot of noise probably for about the past five years. COVID put everything on hold, as with everything else. But there's been a lot about the recycling of cans with labels or cans with sleeves. Now, we've tried cornstarch sleeves with perforations on them. But cornstarch, no one really recycles it.
0: in the country. So it sounds like to the consumer, ooh, cornstarch, that sounds like it's recyclable, but it's not actually recyclable.
1: Yeah, because there's nobody that actually takes the cornstarch away. There is no doorstep collection. There's no option for it to be able to do. You can remove it quite easy from the can, with any sleeve, Mm. but there is no recyclable. So we wanted to look at something that would take it forward. And we'd had a look at a few printers five, six years ago, the technology still wasn't quite there and the quality and the speed Mm. to make it commercially viable and then about three years ago we saw the hinktoff machine we'd had a conversation with them and they are traditionally they're used to printing on cylinders so it be it the glue guns with the mastic that type of cylinder cosmetic industry etc and they were taking it forward into cans so we kept in touch with them and we made a decision just after we came out of all the lockdowns to take it forward. We looked at the models in Canada. There's obviously a couple of machines within Canada. And Canada have a Four Points, which is a recycling regulation now, which means they're not allowed to use labels or sleeves on cans. Right. So, and that's enforced. And then there's a few states now in the U.S., And because we're quite good at recycling, we hit somewhere between 86 and 87, depending on where you are in the year, for recycled aluminium. We know that it's going to come here when we don't. Right. Eventually it will. So rather than somebody say, well, you can't and you have to find a solution, let's find the solution first.
0: Yeah. So in in essence, you're future-proofing your business.
1: But future-proofing the craft market, be it be a drinks, whatever it may be, that future-proofing the small producer to be able to not have to worry that actually when they say no, I have an option.
0: Right, that's brilliant. So it's like a wider view for the whole industry rather than just like, well, we'll leave all the rest of you mugs behind because yeah, you know, it's... um, I'm surprised about the move towards or the potential move in the future towards labels being effectively banned from being on cans. I mean, I'm aware that, and only relatively recently, that you can't recycle them as easily when a, a craft beer label is on a can. And it's just so easy, you know, to to kind of toss them out into the recycling and think, well, my job is done. I've done my bit towards society and the world.
1: (laughs) And I think, as well, for everybody involved as a producer, for us as well as a supplier, I think the way plastic taxes come in and managing my plastic and what have I got waste and adding another complexity of paperwork to your business, well, this takes away one tiny little bit, but it does take one bit away.
0: Yeah. So before we, we talk about the cans and the printing process just looking a little bit more at the recycling chain and from a sustainability perspective can you talk us through the recycling chain as it stands at the moment in regards to cans with either the jackets or the printed labels
1: yeah so basically they all go into the same recycling machinery and equipment and what basically happens the main difference between the labels and the sleeves there is no washing etc they're crushed cut up into very tiny minute pieces and then they're melted down now when there's a label or a sleeve on there they cause a flash point basically a very small minute flash point but they lose a very low and it is kind of one ish I can't remember the exact percentage but they lose a very small fraction of aluminium because of the flashpoint, which nobody's really taken account of. But now that we're recycling such a high volume of what we produce, we produce a lot more cans, Mm. but the percentage of what we recycle is also increasing, so the volume is there. So that very tiny loss becomes a financial impact to the recyclers. So they're losing small amounts of aluminium. Mm. So this is where the difference comes in in the crossover between... The sleeve, the label, and the printed. Cap.
0: Right, and what is a flash point?
1: So it's a basically a, a small spark. Right. If you like to, so, like a fire. Yeah. Um, if you imagine logs in a fire, yep. and there's something in there, a bit metal, and it will pop, and it will, you know, kind yep. of that kind of flash. That basically, in theory, that's it. Yep. That's what it causes, and it loses a certain amount of the aluminium right, I see. in the process.
0: Right, so let, let, let's talk about the cans. So, I mean, how does the printer work?
1: Um, should we go out and have a look?
0: Why not? Right, so this is it. Look at this beast. It's like something from War of the World. (laughs) So this is the basic machine. Yep. It's about two metres
1: wide, three metres long, two metres tall. Cams go in blank from up there. And then they come out printed over there. Right. So what we'll do... We'll give you the full Greg Wallace. Oh,
0: please do. Can I push that button? Yeah,
1: of course you can. Can I? Of course you can. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Not a problem at all. We'll need to just make sure, uh, check all these doors are all closed. So, I'm going to put this bit of artwork on, and Great. then we'll think. I just need to hop around the machine and close. Do you know so
0: hold, right Pass me that. Back? Yeah. Okay. Look at this beast. <laughs>
1: if we hold on before you run yep i will show you the full greg wallace
0: wow my word look at it in here
1: so this is basically one of the many doors on the machine um the cans come down here yep and then they will be pushed onto the mandrels in the center there are 32
0: they Except. look like eyes. Did you ever see Short Circuit from the eighties? Yeah, They look, yes. like, look like Short Circuit. Oh, yeah. Johnny Five is alive. <laughs>
1: He's, and he got beaten up. It's this is endless. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So the first station we'll do, I'll do a diameter check on the yep. pan to make sure that everything is round and the right diameter. Yep. Okay. Then we'll go through to a pre-treatment, which is basically a gas burner. So like your hob at home, your gas grill, the old-fashioned high-level grills. And it basically just heats up the can slightly to open up so that it can accept the ink, so it doesn't all just fall off when it dries. Then, probably counterintuitive, but there is a small blast of air that chills the can down to make sure it's at the right temperature for print. These two sensors here will give us... A positioning. So if we wanted to position a hybrid can, for example, a certain way, yep. we could position it in a set place and then print from that point onwards. So then we go t- through to the first part of the design, and this is the white print head. And we'll print on both the cans, and then it will cure with UV light on each station. My word. It's huge. <laughs> And then for each the white there is an extra curing station yep. cuz white as some people will know white paint's always thicker right than a colored paint so then we come through to the next which is the black so in your cmyk this is uk yep um through to the black then through to the yellow magenta the cyan and round on this side is the varnish. Quite alien looking almost. <laughs> they are quite the, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looks a bit predatory. Yeah, yeah, the pipes and yeah, yeah. everything else that's on there. So I will get Leah to show us our nifty trick of our Space Age oh, doors.
0: Oh man, that's like back to the future, <laughs> isn't it?
1: <laughs> and there are Space Age <laughs> up and down doors. Love it this one here is a spectral camera so this reviews every design now if it doesn't meet to 98 percent of what we've input on the system then it will reject the cam. so as the cams come out here there is a blower so and this, it will this, reject
0: this, it this camera thing is it, it that's like a, a like a sensor almost uh, so it's not like a manual camera that's looking at it it's the computer looking at it
1: Yeah, so it takes millions of digital images as the can spins to ensure what's on the can matches what the design is that we've put there. That's insane. That's crazy. (laughs) So we had one um, with sleeves many years ago where there was a cartoon person's face, but the internals of the eyes had been missed when it printed, whereas this now will pick would pick that instance
0: yeah goodness yeah because the last thing you want is like thousands of cans coming out of this yeah like, so
1: it, any kind of one floor etc it will blow yeah. it out and then if it's continuous more than 10 it will stop the machine and say oh hang on
0: right i see check oh, and that's this. the little blower there Right. this is the air Obviously. blower Conveyor.
1: and then the cans get blown straight off the conveyor and into the waste
0: right, i see and then, so they go down this little roller coaster thing.
1: Yeah, they have a great roller I'm coaster sure ride <laughs> here. And it comes down the roller coaster through and round. And if we go the other side, I'll show you what's there.
0: Oh, here's your can wall.
1: Our can
0: wall. In fact, should we have a quick look at this before we go around the other side? Wow, yeah. look at all these. Goodness, yeah. Everything
1: yeah, here, good. all different sizes 440s, 500s, 330s, sleeks. Two fifty,
0: two hundred, and one fifty yes, slims it, all sit within there. Wow, you work with you work with a lot of really like well known and well respected breweries in the UK.
1: <laughs> Quite a few.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm just I'm just looking at it, being like, oh yeah, I oh yeah, no that beer. Oh no that beer. Oh yeah, Donzoko okay, Northern Hills. Oh no, that beer. <laughs> yeah.
1: And quite a few unusual and odd and...
0: Like the chicken gravy, yes.
1: Chicken gravy. Um, that and works. that's for Pots and they're going into America. Oh, so wow. they've yeah. just secured a, um, a contract in America. So I'm sure a lot of the uh, bunkers, their security and safety yep. disaster bunkers
0: will be full of Pots chicken gravy. I wonder if that's got any chickens on or untapped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look after this. I'm sure someone must have. <laughs> right. So all the cans end up.
1: So they come round as yep. second track. They get onto their next roller coaster, which is a nice fun and games side. And then they all gather here, have a bit of a chit chat. Good UK cans. They know how to queue pretty well. And then they get slid across onto the pallet. A layer at a time.
0: And then a job's good, and I can see loads of them all ready to go out. Yeah, a lot of cams. Yes, loads a, of cams. A lot
1: of cams. No, trust me, I, I you know, I, I kind of watch the Greg Wallace thing, and then I sit here and I'm amazed all the time, and the guys have been three high, full stack three high here. And I'm like, every time they move them, I'm like, Cover my eyes.
0: I would imagine it's a little bit like you know you see on Facebook those viral videos of like some guy either with a forklift where like they'll knock they'll slightly knock into one of the um, the shelves and then everything comes tumbling
1: down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have no racking. We've tried it all different ways, and the same way as the can producers is how we stack them and store them. Ensuring like it, one of the things with cans and that people should always remember is that they will absorb anything so you don't put anything that anything contaminants so be careful on your forklifts don't use fuel forklifts don't store tires grain hops as the cam will absorb the right. aroma or anything the liner will absorb it no if it's there wow. and stored right next to it so always be cautious with cans on how you store them yep. and keep them in
0: well before we Go back in and have a bit more of a chat. Let's I think the it. last thing to do is to literally for me oh, to push the button. Right? You've got I, moment. I, I really, really have.
1: So let me just go make sure all the doors are closed. Thank you. That one.
0: Yep. So we are good to go. So we're doing uh, brew your juice for science. Good beer to do. Good beer that. So uh,
1: good night. Press that button. <laughs> <laughs> you can press that button. So I need you to press this green button. And when it starts beeping faster, press it again.
0: Okay, here it goes. Pushing the button. Now, I've done it. I can't really see what's happening.
1: And you hear it's starting.
0: Oh yeah, oh goodness, yeah, it's on there.
1: And if you look Look at at the camera, it's moving round, so it's all ready to go. So what I need you to do is to press the in feed on.
0: Wow, I feel like I'm in some like sci-fi film.
1: And if you watch now, the cans will load onto the mandrel. So in they go. And if we come round this side, they will start to come out. We should have got you a design done and printed by Nick, a.k.a. Greg.
0: Just trying to... Trying to work out which Greg Wallace superlative to, to give when he's <laughs> come out. Hey! Whoa, that's amazing! Whoa, you mean that machine there does a thousand counts a second? Wow. Yeah, and off they go. Well, look at that.
1: And that is literally it. And that is your printed
0: cam. Oh, look at that. I'll take that with me. I owe brew-york
1: (laughs) 12 (laughs) i I'll let Lee know if you're you're all right. right.
0: (laughs) Great. What are some of the advantages other than the recycling element when it comes to printing on cans directly?
1: So there are quite a lot, and we've obviously got a couple of samples here so I can show you a bit easier. So there are a lot of different things that we can do. So we can now put the best before dates on. Yep. We can put the guile numbers on. And because they're low-volume prints, even if you just wanted 351, well, that's fine, we'll put them on. And we just alter it. The artwork doesn't change, that just gets changed. So no requirement to print on base. So
0: when the designer hands the design over... And I'm a designer myself, so I'm very, very familiar with having to change best before dates and guile numbers. That's something that gets taken care of in-house here. So you get the design and then you can just change that.
1: To make it technical, we just need the fonts. As long as we have the fonts and they're set, we just change the dates as per what the requirement for the customer is. Then they get a photograph of the new proof, essentially with the new date on approve it and it's done
0: there you go That's my work awesome. is done <laughs> so yeah you can you can uh, put, put those on yep
1: so then we also have and everyone who works with cans will know that there's always a can maker's mark somewhere within there whether it's hidden under your label or your sleeve for traceability so now what we have is a small tiny Oast. and challenge everyone to go around and look for them um a little a hop and then a number each one of these is created differently. That number relates directly to the order and the invoice that the customer placed with me. Right. Then attached to their order and invoice is the pallet ticket and manufacturing process from the cam producers. So we can trace every order to every production within the factory.
0: Right, so that there's, there really is full supply chain traceability then, even because you do these at really low numbers, don't you? Yeah,
1: we have... Uh, we have a customer at the moment that is taking some 330 sleeks of water and I think there are 34 designs across 451 cabins. So, Right. Um, we have people like um, Anthony at Kettlesmith who does two layers. He'll have a 12-layer palette, but it'll be two layers, one design, one of another, two of another, three of another. They're set in a way and shipped out and done. And that's so easy for us to do now. No changeover of labels. And as you've seen on the printer, it's literally like an iPad. You just yeah, yeah. move the design across.
0: Amazing. So when it comes to printing on a can digitally, obviously with labels you can have, you know, all kinds of, like, textures and so on and so forth. Is that possible?
1: Yeah. So if we take this can, if you feel across where the oh my word, text yeah. is... You can feel the raised sensation. slightly.
0: Is it embossed when it's like that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: Now we're working with, and we've had consultation with the RNMB with regards to Braille, and right. can we make it thick enough for it to be registered by a visually impaired customer? Wow. So actually, not now. Do they have to ask someone what it is? But actually, they could say it's an. I'm drinking an IPA. I'm drinking a lager, I'm drinking a... Oh, look, this is a coffee stout. Mm. And they can actually read the Braille off the can and be able to know exactly what they are.
0: Drinking. So I, I presume there's some varnishes on this as well, because, like, I was just looking at this one. It's like a... Is that a chameleon? Yeah. In a red... Looks like he's in the Le Miserable or something. A <laughs> <laughs> drummer in the military. Um so if you if the brewer who brews this is listening then they'll be like that's my can um but yeah it's like the chameleon is like shiny and the the drum on his back with the logo is shiny but the rest of it's like matte
1: yeah that's so, so it's- weird
0: but i mean obviously i mean that is it that adds a layer of a quality product for a consumer Do you know it's all those little things i think when it comes to design like the little touches as well as what you see that really makes something stand out and that's How how does that work?
1: Yeah, so that is differences in the varnish. So we apply a varnish on there and we can apply a matte, which is kind of like the soft touch, or a glossy varnish. What we can then do is, by use of different layers within the artwork, we can make it a little bit more dense so it's more varnishes placed Mm -hmm. and also the distribution of dots, basically, because it's digital print. Yep. So your DPI is so dots per inch. You can spread that out a bit and have different effects. So we can mix matte and gloss. So you can have some gloss elements, some matte elements. And you can actually increase by placing white layers underneath so you can make the texture and apply the texture within there. Right. It's just clever use of artwork with the technology.
0: We'll come on to the artwork because I know as a designer, what I tend to find is that there's a few... Things that brewers obviously, because they're brewers and they're, they're not designers, so they, they, they might not be aware of this. But there's a few things that brewers tend to do when it comes to asking for designs that I need to then translate so that the end print product ends up good. Because the difference between a good design and a bad one is you know, someone who can just do a bit of design on Photoshop great but then the amount of times that i've had something handed to me i'm like hang on that's 72 dots per inch it needs to be (laughs) at least 300 otherwise it's going to look pixelated or it's not vectorized so you're not going to get sharp edges it's going to be pixelated and look crap it always tends to end up coming back to like the devil's in the detail and those little details make the difference when it comes to design you can tell i'm really passionate about this so what are some of the things that brewers and their respective designers then need to be aware of when it comes to printing on cans? Because that's like, seems to be taking up a whole other level when it comes to layering and textures and even the shape of it.
1: <laughs> okay, so the template itself is flat, it's a rectangle.
0: I had a look and I was like, okay. <laughs>
1: the one thing that we have the benefit, and even down to over plate printing, if you look at anything from a coke can, anything that's printed on plate, so the big volume, they will have an overlap. We don't have that anymore. So if you look at some of these, this is full 360. There is no gap. So you could have a panoramic photograph that oh would gosh, match yeah. up all the way around. Yeah. So that's one of the key elements now. As far as DPI goes, you can work on anything really. If you want something that 1000 DPI, that's fine. Most of the printing that we do will sit around 700. We do and we will alter and play about with different settings for DPI to try and get most out of the artwork that people have spent time to put on the can. The other thing to remember is we have got two members of staff here now that will help and support. So for those guys, nothing against you, but they don't have a designer that sit at home and make it themselves. When we turn around and go, have you got an AI file and can you put the layers and can you mark the white as magenta 100% and can you do the varnish as cyan 100% and they're just rabbit in headlights going, <laughs> uh, I draw this on page. Not quite that simple. We have and we can support you. It's a paid service, but we can. So we can do three different levels if you like. So you can go from, here's my artwork ready and... The guys here will just run it through nice and easy. Every layer will have a different setting and cutouts, etc., will be within it. Or they can go, here's my label design. Can you put that on a can? And we can transpose it to our format. And then the other option is total design, where we reach out to designers that we work with, and they'll help and support with design if we haven't got the availability to do it here. But it's important that we can get what the brewers, and people who are brewers, they're brewing beer, Mm. and not necessarily doing artwork. Yeah. So we've got to be able to support and provide a service for those that don't have those skills. They have the skills for the beer, and they don't have the skills to do the artwork that we can support them through. It probably does seem like a foreign language or computer text to most people when you kind of say, right, well, I need all everything on a layer and the images and you need to cut out layers and we need a white layer and a varnish layer and people are crawling back going, I'm scared now, but we can help them through it.
0: For any brewers out there listening to this, it's probably the same feeling that someone who comes on a brewery tour has when you start talking about mashing and hop utilisation (laughs) and lactic acid infections or whatever. (laughs) So, yeah, I I mean, I understood all those words, but I can totally, you know, someone that isn't a a designer, you know, you don't know what what DPI stands for, like dots per inch, you know, and and why that's important. So I I think that's why working with designers and printers is really, you know, worth their weight in gold, to be honest with you. So am I right in thinking that your minimum order quantity is literally one can. Yep. So I could be all like, I want, a can, and you could do that. Yep. So how, how can you afford to do such low MOQs?
1: So the machine, basically we can put it, makes no difference, and we can print one off. It will just, you put in the number and it that's it. So there is no changeover or setting up of plates. There's no, and anyone that doesn't know, when a normal plate printed can is made, there's generally eight plates are created and the design, the specific, each color design is etched onto that print. They're done electronically and digitally, it's not somebody carving out. Yeah. But each plate then would have to be changed on the drum for the big plate printer to print each stage. Whereas digital, this is all similar to your printer sat at home. Right. A bit more technical, but it's <laughs> yes. the, pretty much a similar process. I'm not
0: sure I could fit one of those in my office at home.
1: <laughs> so what, we've also, what we also do is that every proof is a can. Yep. Not a bit of paper anymore or a PDF sent through. It is a physical can. I think what people have to remember is that when you print on aluminium, and be it a white base can or on a silver can, colours change so we have to change them so you start then understanding about brand colours but we can help you and support you and set up future brand colours for your brand or your brewery if you want to keep one we'll keep it and that will be the same on every single design it will keep you know your specific yellow or cream or red or blue and how it looks on. right
0: I see so if you look at the template that you can download from your website because i was looking at this yesterday and this the little swatch color swatches down one side that say brand colors i presume so let's say I this was my <laughs> my one can i was ordering <laughs> and um this like um, yellow color here in real life when it was printed wasn't the same yellow as was presented on the screen even in CMYK, which are print colors rather than, uh, again, another thing that I often get when I, if people hand me files is they'll design something and it's like red, blue, green, which is like um, screen colors. So there's a manual process to a certain degree, I presume, here. Rather than just getting the fine, like, yeah, let's print it, bam, off it goes, where you check that actually that yellow is not looking quite as good as the yellow on the screen, which is the yellow they want. It needs to actually be this colour swatch to match what that is in reality. And that's where you could set up those brand colours and say, the next time I want can design with this yellow in my logo, it's that colour on print. I hope that made sense. Makes yeah. sense to me. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's about, and it's not necessarily, you know, everybody has a license for that red soft drink, red, if you like. You have a, you know, that everybody will have their brand colors, but there's nothing stopping even the, you know, the brewer who wants a thousand cans a month, but nothing more. Having his brand color, we'll name it, and that's your brand color that we will print but then it allows you to tie it to pump clips, to labels for boxes, to box design, to signage, uh, merchandise, clothing, whatever that you want to do, your website, and it can tie a brand color right the yeah. way across.
0: I think it's really important because I, I think what a lot of people don't realize when it comes to print is that, because each printers is calibrated slightly differently, they all not give in the exact same color. So, and I noticed it with some cans the other day that I do the designs for, I got given some cans and I was like, that off black is not the off black that it looks like on the screen, even in CMYK that I visualised. It's too light, it's too off. <laughs> 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 and um, yeah, it, it's interesting then, as you say, when you're trying to get that brand cohesion, it makes me think about, I would imagine companies like Brew use Pantone colours, so you get, They have got the exact same blue. Whoever prints it, it is blue, brew dog, Pantone, colour, whatever.
1: Yeah, so we've worked with, you know, when we've worked with bigger people who insist on their colours and we have to transpose that we have a spectrometer here so we can read the colours off cans. Some finer stuff is a little bit harder, so we'll check them and we can work them. We'll do sessions here and you can book proofing sessions to come for the day we even feed you we're pretty good that way and you can work with your colors and find the different colors that work with you and set them mm. so there's some cans over there which is kind of swatch cans. Oh, yeah we'll, those. <laughs> we'll show you all the millions of different options that you can get from a color but even down to fraction and the way colors are created there's so much available within the technology that the visual eye probably wouldn't see it but that color is created in a different way by the level of inks that are used, which then can make it cheaper Yeah. because you're using less. Just how your colour is created. So colour is a complete new minefield. We've gone yeah, wow, from sounds just like cans to printing now, and I'm like, ah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So with these then, are they silver cans or are they white cans? Because like, obviously you can get silver, white, black, gold, is that it? I want to say gold. Maybe I'm thinking of those boo-dog cans that were quote, gold-plated, end quote. (laughs) But how does it work in terms of printing on different coloured cans?
1: Okay, so as a rule, um, anybody that's ever dealt with us uh, will know. We do silver, black and white. Right. Now, we will print based on the artwork requirement, really, and the customer requirement. So if you require anything that has a metallic effect or a metallic sheen to your artwork mm-hmm. we'll print on silver so it allows the metal to come through yep. and you can get so many more effects but if you don't we'll print on white because the white base can means i use less white ink yep. to print on the can which means the cost is kept lower so we'll always work with it and if we're in doubt or customers are not sure I can do you a proof on silver, I can do you a proof on white, and you choose. And there is a difference. You can see the difference Mm. between the two cans and exactly the same artwork. I'll point them out on the wall to you where you can get so many variations just by using different levels of white, different colour base can, etc.
0: Before we talk about the older process and what happens if the A brewer literally pushes the button. Are there any other things that designers in particular who will understand some of the language we're talking about a little bit more than brewers might need to consider when it comes to setting up designs?
1: Um, Basically, if they've ever done printing and can printing, plate printing, what they need to do is everything that they know, rip it all and throw it in the bin.
0: Hey! (laughs)
1: Generally, everything that you've always been told no to. Now, it's not always a no. Okay. There are options. So your colour options, because it's digital, you've literally got a million colours to choose from. So you don't have a limitation of colour. You don't have a limitation on gradient, where we could only grade one way on a plate printer can. Now you can grade anything that you want to do. Your sky can have the clouds on. You'll see, you can have waves. There are no limitations. We can go up to photo quality. It changes the way the pricing structure is done, but it's purely done on what we put on the cap. Right. So that's the way it works. So you can have photographs on there. You can make things unique. We can use mosaic software that will actually give you individual cans all the same every single one's different
0: is that like the sergeant pepper thing downstairs
1: similar to it yeah
0: okay so just for listeners who were like what so when you come into hostess engineering in their reception there's like a, a stack of cans that's like what about i don't know 10 by 10 or something like a big square and it has the album cover of sergeant pepper's lonely hearts Club Band like spread across the entire cans so if you imagine that album cover and You know, one can's got Paul McCartney's face on it and then the next one's John Lennon and so on. But when they all stack up, it looks like the album cover. So that that kind of thing, right?
1: Yeah, And, and that's what we've now got the flexibility to do. People can do Christmas specials. People can do, you know, even down to a seasonal or an annual special where they will print this can every month and then by December you can make this image. You know, if you collect each month. So it's taking it to collectibles. There's so much that you can do. And even down to, you know, somebody could say, right, okay, well, I have X amount of liters of X beer. So we put 90% of it and have them printed that way. And that 10%, well, I'll actually have these printed for collectibles. So it's something a bit unique. Or actually, well, we can brand this up for our local restaurant, our local event. There's a charity event, we want to brand it that way. So it would basically be eight layers of the standard core beer, one layer of the specific.
0: Right, I see. So, which is brilliant if you're doing contracting for another group, you know, like someone's wanting to contract beers from you, or like, say, yeah, ch- charity events, you know, that they might want to take two cases of as part of your order. You can just be like, oh, you can just print something like that. And you fill them, and it's the same beer from the same guile and
1: yeah. So if you think so, a nine-layer palette of four forties, for example, three thousand one hundred and fifty-nine cans, and a local restaurant says, oh, "It'd be great to have some beer," or even down to, "Ah, oh, do you know what? Uh, me brother's sister's son's getting married. will do two cases of." But for us, it's simple and easy just to put fifty cans as part of that markup. Mm. Will be that separate design. Amazing. So the opportunity then for the brewers to be able to expand, they, they haven't got to worry about labels or ordering 50 labels, which could be pricey. They can actually just run them as part of their standard one. Yeah.
0: So how do, how do brewers place orders? So let, let's say, obviously, they've got all the designs and everything. Like what, what happens then?
1: So generally, they'll take the template, they send the design in, and you send your design in. Our art team will run it through the software. If there is any problems, they'll direct it back. Um, it's a problem that you can't solve. We can help you and support you to solve, like we mentioned before. We then will run it through, generally over a weekend, we'll run through proofs. And we'll run through the proofs of a weekend, send you generally a photograph in the light box downstairs, and then post your can out.
0: So you actually get physical proof in the post.
1: Yeah. So, you know, your one can. My
0: one can, I could just get Your the proof. one
1: can. <laughs> and basically, so I'd
0: have two cans then. <laughs>
1: yeah. So in theory, what we normally do is we'll do, when we do a proofing session, we'll do generally four cans. And then one is customer proof. One is our production sample for here. Mm-hmm. We have one as a spare and what we call one on the wall.
0: Oh, right. Okay.
1: Um, and we place one on the wall. It's for our own.
0: That's, that's like your own version of having pump clips on a wall in a micro pub, <laughs> only you've got everyone's cans <laughs> of yeah. breweries from across <laughs> the UK and Europe. <laughs> that's amazing. It's only because Carl's a typical Yorkshire man and uh, <laughs> exactly. he,
1: he, he, he won't pay for it to be decorated, so yep. we decorate it with cans.
0: So, generally speaking, how, how does that pricing work then? Because I know brewers becoming increasingly self conscious and price conscious. At the moment, how like how, how does the pricing work and how can they keep the pricing down? You mentioned about right colours earlier, for example.
1: Yeah, so there are certain things we'll do. We'll run the can through the system, and as part of the proof, it will create the cost. So we only charge what the computer says to charge, and it is design-based. Now we do have some options where we can choose to create the colours in a different way. So We can choose basically to tailor the colors. So if you think of basically the easiest way to try and describe is if you have orange. Yep. Okay. And to make that orange, I use five mil of yellow and I use five mil of magenta or red. Okay. So that's 10 mil of ink in total I've used. Now, what we can get the machine to do is recalibrate that color. And we'll use one mil of black, three mil of magenta, and three mil of yellow. So now we're going to use seven mil in total. Ah, clever. So right. we use less ink, so there's less cast. Yes. So that's basically the easiest way it works. Now, for most of those changes, I haven't seen anything yet where it's made any difference to a colour. The physical eye will not see it. Yeah. You know, you have 100 squares on a piece of paper. You couldn't tell. As far as you know, they're all the same color. Yeah. So that's one way of being able to do it. And then we try and make sure that we cost everything else the can produces will. well. So it's a complete unit. So any cost that we give you is the price of can and print. So that's your finished can. All you've got to do is put your product inside and close it all.
0: Yeah. And how much of a buffer, then, should brewers order when it comes to canning? Because I know from experience, like, some fall on the floor and get dinted. You have some underfills and so on. Like, what, what kind of buffer would you suggest? Because I think when you get a label reel, from experience, I always find there tends to be more labels on the reel than I ordered, and which is a, a good thing for when I have those. Incidents, But if you've got some physical cans and I ordered, let's say I ordered a pallet and some of them got dinted when, you know, somebody with a faultless truck was being a muppet and they fell off whatever at the brewery, like, what sort of buffer should a brewer have?
1: Always, I would always say 5%. Right. Up to 5% should cover you. And that should cover you for shipping. Yep. That should cover you for priming and starting the line. And then for little issues, incidents, etc., that you have. And it's all about, you know, being wise and utilised. Okay, well, I've ended up with 50 cans here that I've had printed and I've not used them. I've used all my beer, tank's empty, I'm happy. I've got 50 cans here. Place them in the box, put them to one side and use them for priming the line when it comes to the next.
0: That's a very, very good idea.
1: (laughs) Because then you're not... You know, you can tell if it's a different design, get a sharpie and right priming or staff beer or whichever. Yep. And that way, you know, you can reduce your waste cycle and they've not been really put to waste. It's just you've got that within there. Yep. And eventually you'll get to a point where actually, well, I don't need 5%. I can actually probably take that down a little bit or alter or amend it in that yeah. way. Yeah, and I guess
0: it's easier if your can is different from the one you're packaging, the design that is. So then add it up quickly at the end and look at those numbers and that data and then make the calculation of well we, you know, well, just for the purposes of knowing how much literage you're wasting during priming.
1: But we've also had, there's also quite a lot of savings with an unusual savings that we hadn't expected, but we've heard back. So we've got, Customers, so we've got larger customers who have sleeves and labels offers, and likes of Tiny Rebel, etc. Now their production yield on faster lines has increased by swapping from printed to labels. People who've got twister rinses will tell you a pre-labeled can is a nightmare going down twister into a machine. Actually, that stops one person to stand there and constantly watch it, or conveyors, or pushes. And it actually, then you look at that and it actually, actually, I've got more of a saving now because my yield is better. So I maybe don't need to overorder as much because I've a greater yield. I haven't got a guy stood over there, so I'm saving in that. He can go and do something else now. Yeah. So, there's quite a lot from the printed point of view that where they move quicker through the line. You know, everyone knows with cans, they're the lightest, easiest, dentable things that, you know, they fall over. You sneeze, they fall over. (laughs) And it is as simple as that. And I think the important things, you know, it's like dented cans. People go, oh, yeah, but that's dented. But actually, I can push it back out. It's fine. It's not a problem. But if you have a look in there, you can see the two oh, marks yeah, yeah. in the liner where I've pushed the can back yeah. out. Now that impacts your liner and the can integrity. So it's things like that that you need to be wary of that that could cause a leak. And anyone with cans, you get leak in one can. If they're near each other, that will spread and the next can will leak. Because it's aluminium, because it's metal, you're giving it a way to actually encourage it to leak Corrode, etc. Mm. So it's things like that that you need to be wary of. That don't always be keen to pop that can back out because it's not actually going to be, you know, beneficial in the end, and it could cause you a lot more problems.
0: Right. I'd never even thought that. To be honest, I'd never even <laughs> noticed it. <laughs>
1: Most people don't, and they don't think. And you know, anyone can do it. Just pop a little dent in the can, and then pop it back out. If you look inside, you'll see yeah. where that was.
0: Yeah. What sort of feedback have you got from the existing customers, particularly the ones that have moved, like you said, Tiny Rebel from one to the other? Um, what kind of feedback are you getting?
1: Um, yields are better, um, the you know, quality, they like the finish, it's no really different, except they've now got a printed can. Um, I know questions, well, how do you get printed cans on, you know, they're not your core range? How how you get Go see Ostaf, you know, and it's the availability to do that. The opportunity to go on plastic free aisles or plastic free point of sale. Labels doing you know, have some plastic in there, even if you have a paper facing one, it generally has a plastic backing or mm. something within there. So that way of being able to have that plastic free, it is plastic free. You know, that it is exactly the same as everybody else's printed can.
0: Yeah. For anyone that's listened to us talk for nearly the last hour (laughs) about printing and cans, and they're still not convinced that they want to go down the digital print route onto the can, like you do offer other services, don't you?
1: Oh, yeah, we do labelling and we do sleeving. We're not saying that everybody has to go digital. We still label. The label is working now.
0: Yeah.
1: So we're labelling cans right now, and it's a customer's choice, but what we are doing is that we're preparing for the future so that we still have a choice that we can control as an industry, as a group, as a community. We can control that, and we have the availability and the option to move from labels if we want to. Yeah,
0: I'd love to ask just a bit more of a general question as we, we round up. So obviously it's part of the brewing supply chain, particularly with like, Small pack. There's been a lot of turmoil and unrest over the last three to four years with the pandemic and Brexit and the war in Ukraine and cost of living crisis and who knows what else is around the corner. Like, how have you seen that impact your business?
1: Oh, hugely. When you, you look at our power costs, you know, I put a machine in and exactly the same time as, you know, cost of power, etc. goes up and through the roof. So it's, I think. And COVID proved this to me more than anything. I have never known such a group of versatile people quick to adapt Mm -hmm. as brewers. To go from everything goes through a pub to suddenly now, I am dealing with my own little online shop and I'm, you know, sending it out or I have customers here and... You know, it's like we always joke here with Carl, you know, we don't let him near customers because he's not a customer service person <laughs> at all. We keep him away from customers. <laughs> you know, everybody adapts so quickly. So we've adapted so in order that I don't want to put pricing up and price the can and everything else out the market. So I now have a night shift and run through the night to support not having to put price increases up, right. which we haven't done from an energy point of view and that's the key one so we try and adapt a little bit every now and again to be able to balance that off mm. even down to covid we kept going all the way through we were quite fortunate we didn't run out cans but we managed the situation in the right way as soon as lockdown occurred everybody was like can i have a lorry of cans and it's like hold on <laughs> you only take two pallets at a time, don't order a lottery, let's just try and manage yeah. stocks. It's all about, you know, working with the customers and helping the customers, reassurance, and running around like a headless chicken looking for cans from different suppliers. And we do use different suppliers, you know, different ends, etc. but we'll try and manage it through. Most of the customers and most machines will run with just slight changes sometimes on tooling for ends, and it's never the complete tooling. It's an adjustment more than a change. So there's always a lot that you can do. And by not putting your eggs in one basket with one producer, that ability to be able to balance out means that you've got a continuous supply of mm. yep. stock. So for us, and even down to what everyone says about Brexit, but we've been dealing with Europe and non-EU countries for a long time. So for us... We had a fairly simple transition because we were doing a lot of the paperwork side anyway. Right. And I appreciate that most people won't and they'll be like, oh, it's a nightmare. It's just about how you've always worked and how you're used to working. So we've dealt with Norway and countries that aren't and never have been. So we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into by shipping into... I still moan about it every day when you know I have people going oh customs need this commodity code and oh you've included the weight of the pallet in the cans and you know so
0: all fun and games oh yes well thanks for being on the podcast this week Sam I found it utterly fascinating I hope Everyone listening out there has as well. Again, I, feel, I, was, I, I see why Greg Wallace gets excited. <laughs> <laughs> he <uses the> <laughs> but it's,
1: do you know what? Anybody out there that wants to be their own little Greg Wallace for you know 10-15 minutes, if you're passing by Rotherham and you want to come in and have a look, you know, you're always quite well, you have to sign your form and if your hair's a length or your beard, you'll have to wear the nets as normal, but you're quite welcome to come and have a look at the machine working yep. and running. So, you know, there's always an open door at Host House.
0: Yep. So how do people take the next steps? How do they get in touch with you? How do they place order?
1: Website. Or they can give us a call. Google us. We are there. They can get in touch with uh, Facebook, all social medias. We have a presence there. Find us. Search for Host House. Or... The general email really will come through if you go digicam so d i g cam at oasthouseengineering, engineering all one word dot co dot uk. You'll get somebody. Will reply That's back. It. One of the team.
0: Smoke signals, homing pigeons, the job lot. S-
1: yeah, <laughs> pigeons are always welcome. We don't mind <laughs> pigeons. A bit of telepathy works yeah, well, now and again.
0: <laughs> Great, brilliant. Thank you, Sam. All right, can
1: I get three pints kind of, uh, little of
0: the week, week <laughs> Well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot 4 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers.